Match Chat is brought to you by Walters. Catch UFC 277 at Walters this Saturday night as Juliana Pena takes on Amanda Nunes in Dallas. The fight card begins at 9. Register at waltersdc.com to receive one free spicy margarita. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Now the set of the pitch. And Garcia swings and drives one a deep right. Way back. Going. Going. Gone. Goodbye. A two-run home run for Luis Garcia. And his third hit of the game. A triple, a single, and a two-run home run with the Nationals cashing in. And the Nationals are back in front. It's Washington 4 in Los Angeles 3. Now the pitch swung on, drew into the gap, left center field, long run for anyone, and this one, one hop up against the wall and in play. Robles has scored, rounding third is Soto, Turner's throw to the plate is not in time. Nelson Cruz breaks the over and clears the bases with a two-run double here at the top of the ninth inning. The Nationals have put a crooked number and a three spot on the board. It's now Washington 7 and Los Angeles 3. And welcome to Nats Chat for Wednesday, July 27, 2022, along with MassInSports.com Nationals insider Mark Zuckerman, who was at Dodger Stadium in Los Angeles. I'm Al Galdi, host of the Al Galdi podcast. As we all know, baseball, like life, often makes no sense. And so in that regard, it makes perfect sense that the major league worst nationals now are on the verge of authoring their first series sweep of the season and in a series at the National League leading Los Angeles Dodgers. Go figure. Tuesday night in a game that started at 10.10 p.m. Eastern, did not end until 1.37 a.m. Eastern. The Nats overcame a 3-2 eighth inning deficit and won at the Dodgers 8-3. Eight runs, 14 hits. Nats went 4 for 12 with runners in scoring position. And the Nats did all of this despite the man who is the talk of baseball, Juan Soto, doing next to nothing in this game. It makes no sense. And so, Mark, I guess in a strange way, it all makes perfect sense. But how about the Nats on the doorstep of a three-game sweep at the Dodgers? Well, I got to say, Al, I feel like I've been here before. I just watched the Nationals hit a towering home run to right field in the eighth inning to take a 3-2 lead at Dodger Stadium and off a lefty 
Clayton Kershaw must have just been crushed to give up that home run pitching in relief. And then when they tack on the runs and all of a sudden it's seven to three and the crowd is booing and they're leaving early as the Nationals are about to clinch. Oh, no, wait, I'm sorry. That was the 2019 game five, of the NLDS. This was like a carbon copy of it. Now, I get it. The stakes were nothing at all like that. Not even close. But I will say this. For a lot of these guys, especially the younger ones who have not been here as long, this means something to them. And you could tell it meant something to them the way they reacted. They were celebrating this. This is a significant couple of days for them. This may be as close as they get to any kind of big-time games, postseason-type games. This means something to them. And it made it a lot of fun to watch, I got to say. It's funny you mentioned the crowd, 53,302. That was the official attendance at Dodger Stadium on Tuesday night. That, for now, the largest crowd at a major league game this season. But I tell you what, if you were watching that game, especially in the latter innings, that place emptied out in a hurry. You got to love L.A. sports crowds, late arriving and early departing. And man, did that stadium empty as the Nats took over the game over the eighth and ninth innings. Exactly what it was. As soon as Luis Garcia's homer clears the fence, you started to hear boos, then you started to see people making their way up the aisles. And then, like I said, when Nelson Cruz hits the double to make it 7-3, to that was it. They were done here. And I've seen it before. Again, the stakes were a lot higher that night, but there's a little bit of satisfaction, I think, for the Nationals to take, especially this group, given how little they have accomplished this year, to do this to this Dodgers team. They're going for a sweep on Wednesday. Can you believe that? I can't. And uh, the fact that Patrick Corbin could be the man (laughs) to pitch the Nats to a sweep at the Dodgers is just like the icing on the cake. In addition to some of the heroes for the Nats in this game, multiple Nats who have been struggling lately ended up being heroes in this game. I guess we'll start with Luis Garcia, who had the biggest hit and had multiple big hits in the game. You know, he has cooled off offensively here over these last few weeks, but man, did he have a big night on Tuesday night. Luis Garcia, three for five with a two-run homer, a triple, and a single. Top of the fourth, he had a one-out opposite field triple to left field on a one-two pitch. The ball bounced past Dodgers left fielder Trace Thompson, but a really good piece of two-strike hitting by Garcia. Top of the sixth, he had a two-out single to center field. And then in that Nats, two-run eighth, a two-out, two-run homer to right field on a one-two pitch for a 4-3 Nats lead. So Luis Garcia on Tuesday night had a homer on a one-two pitch and had a triple on a one-two pitch. Not bad. Not bad at all. And I want to take you back to the pitch right before the home run. He's down in the count, one and two. Garrett Clevenger, the lefty, throws him a tough slider down and away, and he fouls it off. We talk so much about Luis Garcia having the ability to put the bat on the ball. His contact skills are really good. He doesn't draw walks, as we know, but he is really good at making contact. And he fouled off a tough pitch, and that then put him in position to turn on the next slider he got, which was inside instead of down and away, and he was able to do exactly that. We have seen here over you know bits and pieces over the last three seasons This kid has the ability to do those kind of things. He has had some big moments. He has hit off of lefties. He's even hit for some power off of lefties. And what I loved about it was you saw him point to the dugout as soon as he hit the ball. So we asked him, what was that about? He said he was pointing at Davey Martinez because right before the at-bat, Martinez says to him, hey, do you want to face this guy? It's a tough lefty matchup for him. Luis says, yeah, because I'm going to hit a double or a home run. And I said, well, what made you so confident? He kind of sheepishly smiled and says, ah, I don't know. I'm just always that confident. 
he plays with some swagger. And that can be to his detriment at times. But I think in the bigger picture, what we've seen from him, there's a lot to like there. You can see that Luis Garcia has something. If he can harness it all, put it all together, obviously improve in the field, there's something there. And it's really cool to see it come out like that on a big stage like this. Yeah. I mean, I think that swagger probably is part of the issue for him defensively, but certainly offensively, that probably helps him and uh, certainly seemed to help him on Tuesday night. Tremendous work by Luis Garcia and tremendous work by Nelson Cruz. You talk about needing to have a big hit, especially a big extra base hit. Nelson Cruz had that on Tuesday night. He is not having a good season, as we know. He has been especially bad in this month of July. Uh, So bad that he, on Tuesday night, did not start the game, and that's very rare. He has missed some games this season, but usually due to these like minor ailments from which he comes back in a game or two. Well, Nelson Cruz on Tuesday night came off the bench. He, in the top of the eighth, struck out as a pinch hitter. So you say to yourself, well, this is, you know, the month and the season that Nelson Cruz is having, but he stayed in the game, and he, in the top of the ninth, came through. The Nats had a four-run ninth inning highlighted by a Nelson Cruz two-out, two-run double off the left center field warning track for a 7-3 Nats lead. This was just Nelson Cruz's second extra base hit in this month of July. He really is hit for, like, no power in this month. But, boy, was that a big hit. Certainly a needed hit. Had to feel really good for Nelson Cruz. He desperately needed that one, Al. I wrote about him actually before the game because he was out of the lineup. Like you said, possibly the first time this year he's been out of the lineup for a non-health-related reason. He's otherwise essentially started every game this year, and there was nothing physically wrong with him this time. This was Davey saying, you know what? You're 0 for 14 coming out of the All-Star break. You're 42 years old. There's a quick turnaround to a day game on Wednesday with a left-hander pitching, so I'm going to give you the day off, but he was working pregame on his swing. And Davey said, if the right situation comes up, maybe we'll pinch hit him. And he got the opportunity to do that and then come up to bat again a second time. And yeah, he desperately needed something like that. If nothing else, the Nationals desperately needed that because they sure hoped that some scouts were watching, stayed up late to watch that at bat to remind themselves that, okay, Nelson Cruz still does have the ability to drive a ball to the gap. Maybe we do want to put in an offer for him before August 2nd, because prior to that point, you're starting to think to yourself, There may not be a trade market for Nelson Cruz. And with all due respect to the guy, he's been, you know, a good soldier through all this. But if the Nats can't trade him on August 2nd, that's a big loss of a signing for them to spend $15 million on a guy who we know the purpose of signing him was to flip him at the trade deadline. If they don't get something for him, that's a big L for Mike Rizzo and company. Yeah, I mean, that's an absolute debacle. You have to be a special kind of bad to devalue yourself to the point where you're not even a trade option given Nelson Cruz's resume and, you know, the nature of trades come late summers in baseball. And uh, that that's even the discussion says a lot. But uh, good for Nelson Cruz for doing that on Tuesday night. Felt good to see him do as he did. Are you a law firm partner looking for a better situation for your practice and a blockbuster contract worthy of Juan Soto? If so, you should call Mason Kalfas of Zenith Legal in Washington, D.C. Works with law firms and lawyers on finding the perfect match. No platoons. 
just superstars. Some lawyers switch firms because of conflicts. Some lawyers switch firms for a better platform for their practice. And some lawyers switch firms for more money. You need the Scott Boris of legal headhunters working for you. And that's Mason. Mason will work with you to find a better fit for your practice and ultimately the best deal for you and your entire team. Call them today at 202 486 3535 or check out his website, zenithlegal.com. This is an unprecedented time in the legal market, and many top firms are looking to expand. Call Mason today. Zenith Legal also works with associates and distinguishes itself on personal service. Zenith Legal doesn't just spam resumes out to law firms. Zenith Legal talks to the right people and gets your resume in front of the decision makers who matter. Whether you are a rainmaker partner or a mid-level associate, give Mason Kalfas at Zenith Legal a call today to accelerate your career. Call today, 202-486-3535. Need some relief from all the Juan Soto trade talk? Join your fellow D.C. baseball fans this Thursday, July 28th at Kelly's Irish Times for Stand Up Strike Out, a comedy show that's all about baseball. This free show will feature baseball-themed stand-up, a first pitch from an at superfan, and a lineup of comedians crazier than the 86 Mets. Let loose and laugh at this comedy show designed specifically for baseball fans like you. Reserve your free seat right now at standupstrikeout.eventbrite.com. That's standupstrikeout.eventbrite.com. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And now the pitch. Swing and a ground ball. Base hit through the hole to the left field. So Victor Robles sends Thomas to second. He'll stop there as Trace Thompson gets it in toward third. So a three-hit game for Victor Robles out of the leadoff spot. The Nats' new leadoff batter, their new igniter, Victor Robles, on Tuesday night was a factor. Three for five with three singles and a stolen base as he was, in fact, the Nats' number one batter for a second consecutive game. Now, he also got thrown out at home because, you see, with Victor Robles, it's never as simple as, well, he did X, Y, and Z. It's always got to be, he did X, Y, and Z, but there also was this with him in the game. It's just the nature of Victor, I guess. But Robles did get on base a bunch uh, in this game. Two run first, he had a leadoff single to left field. Top of the fifth, he had a leadoff opposite field single on what was a pretty weak contact uh, to the right side of the infield to beat the shift. Also had a stolen base. And Robles in the Nats, four run ninth, had a single to left field. Now, 
him getting thrown out at home came uh, in that top of the fifth inning. He got thrown out at home on a Josh Bell two-out single to right field for the third out in an attempt to score from second base. Here comes Betts on a hop, has it. Robles going to try and score. Throw to the plate, the tag by Smith, and he is out at the plate to retire the side. I don't know if Davey addressed that during his postgame session with you guys or not, but Robles has been better lately. I mean, it you know, there's still a lot of weak contact, and you still see these things that just make you want to scream with him, like him getting thrown out like that. But three hits are three hits, and Robles uh, certainly was a factor on Tuesday night. Yeah, he was. You can see that when he does what he did and what he's done the last couple nights, like he can make a difference in the leadoff spot. He does bring a certain energy that others don't. Now, can he do that consistently? I don't know. We'll see. The stolen base that came right before the getting thrown off the plate, I thought was great. It was a delayed steal, actually, by him. A pretty savvy move on his part to do that. So, I mean, he scores two runs. He ignited two different rallies in the game, the first and the ninth. The, actually, the, the fifth inning, he let off an inning. So that's three times that he let off an inning and he singled in each of them. That's good. Now, as far as the, being thrown out the plate, I get that there's maybe some question of did he not get the best secondary lead and jump on the pitch, but just watching it live, I think I and everybody else at Dodger Stadium knew Mookie Betts was going to throw him out because it's Mookie Betts. You know, I don't think it mattered who was rounding third on that play. Now, it was close, and I think that's a credit, actually, to Robles' speed. Anybody else, and it's probably not even a bang-bang play, and instead it was. Davey said he was good with the send. He felt with two outs. Your best base runner out there, you take the chance, you put the onus on bets to make the throw. And, you know, yes, he made a perfect throw. If he doesn't, you know, it's a different story. But given the reputation there, I certainly wasn't surprised that Mookie Betts threw him out. He is maybe the best in baseball at that. And so that was a deflating moment. And especially because moments later, Josiah Grave gives up a home run on the first pitch the next inning to tie the game. And I'm thinking to myself, well, that may be the story of the game right there. Thankfully, it wasn't in the end. Yeah, Betts really is an elite player. I mean, I guess it's just frustrating from a standpoint of Victor Robles. If he's not the fastest Nats base runner, he's certainly up there. You'd like to think he can score from second on a hit like that, but Betts is a special player, no question. I mentioned Josh Bell. He had a productive game, two for four with a double, a single, an RBI sack fly, and an RBI ground out did commit a throwing error. Lane Thomas had a good game. Uh, He was an Nats starting left fielder and number nine batter. He went two for three with two singles and a walk. Uh, K-Bert Ruiz had an RBI single, four-run ninth, a two-out RBI single up the middle to beat the shift, give the Nats an 8-3 lead. And Yadiel Hernandez had an RBI single, two-run first, two-out opposite field, RBI single to left field for a 2-0 Nats lead. So a lot of Nats got in on the act, and I find it so comical that the Nats have one of their more impressive offensive games of the season. Again, eight runs, 14 hits at the Mighty Dodgers. Your rally was six runs over the final two innings. And Juan Soto does next to nothing. 0 for 4 with a hit by pitch, leaves four men on base. It's just so funny. Like, it makes no sense, but it's what happened on Tuesday night. And those four at-bats were four, like, weak at-bats. You're talking about two dribblers back to the mound, a pop-up to second base on an 0-2 pitch, and a foul-out to the catcher on the first pitch of an at-bat. Those were four really poor quality at-bats from the guy who always gives you a quality at-bat. And the fact they still won the game and got so much production from everybody else is pretty remarkable. Although, until the late rallies, I was thinking to myself, they're going to botch this game. They had at least one runner on base every inning. And for a long time there, they only scored in the first. There were countless opportunities. They were 
two for 10 with runners in scoring position through five innings. They had 10 at-bats with runners in scoring position, and they could not deliver in a lot of them. So they stuck with it. To their credit, they got great pitching, which helped allow the game to still be within reach for them there at the end. But boy, you'd like to see what this team could do if they just came through a few more times with runners in scoring position. It could have been a totally different story and may not have needed all the late drama. Yeah, no doubt that they had as many base runners in this game as they did really was something because it did feel like in every inning, somebody got on and many times multiple people got on. You know, the final score ends up being 8-3. It could have been like 12-3, given how many guys got on base in this game. So really good job by the Nats offensively, ultimately, in this game. But as good as the offense ended up being, you could argue that the offense wasn't the number one reason for this win. The Nats bullpen on Tuesday night, excellent work for a second consecutive game in this series. So take it back to the win on Monday night, that 4-1 win. Five Nats relievers combined for five scoreless innings with six strikeouts. This 8-3 win on Tuesday night, four Nats relievers combined for four scoreless innings. Uh, Again, really good work by the bullpen. Jordan Weems, one and a third scoreless innings. Erasmo Ramirez, bottom of the seventh, faced two batters, got two outs. And those two batters just happened to be the Dodgers, numbers one and two batters, Mookie Betts and Trey Turner. Victor Arano tossed a scoreless bottom of the eighth, despite giving up a leadoff single to Freddie Freeman and despite Josh Bell committing a one-out throwing error, and then Hunter Harvey tossed a perfect bottom of the ninth. I mean, Weems, Ramirez, Arano, Harvey, uh, not exactly, you know, uh, Sean Doolittle and Daniel Hudson at their peak, okay? I mean, you know, this is this is not what it's supposed to be, and yet it be, and it was quite good on Tuesday night. Well, and the reason that it be on this night, those guys, is because Kyle Finnegan and Carl Edwards Jr. were not available. They had pitched each of the previous two, and each of them had thrown multiple innings in one of those two outings. So they really were off limits. And that's why, even if it had remained a one-run game, it was going to be Hunter Harvey for the save. And that would have been fascinating to see if he approached it any differently. Now, it turns out he had a nice, comfortable five-run lead and no big deal. But I'll tell you what, this bullpen now... In this series, it's nine combined scoreless innings. And go back to the Arizona series, it's now 15 consecutive scoreless innings by the Nationals' bullpen, and they're getting it from everybody. You mentioned Doolittle and Hudson. Yes, those two were so great for them and helped them win a World Series, but that's all they had at the time. Right now, I know the team has all kinds of other issues, but right now, this bullpen is as deep as we've seen it in a long time. There are a bunch of options for Davey Martinez to choose from, and they're doing it without any lefties in the bullpen as well. They're calling on guys like Andres Machado and Erasmo Ramirez and Hunter Harvey to get lefties out, and they're getting it done. It's been fascinating to watch because I think it's been a very underrated part of the season, and it just makes you think, man, if they had decent starting pitching or if they just scored a few more runs— they might be a lot more competitive because their bullpen gives them all these opportunities. Yeah, it's a tricky thing because the overall numbers for Nats relievers this season aren't good, and there certainly have been blow-up outings and some real ugly outings, but there also have been a good number of really good outings. It feels like it's been a high-variance pen where, like, it's either been great or, you know, you've had, like, a day on which a lot of guys struggle or one guy struggles a lot. And so that really makes the numbers look not so good. But time and again, we're having this conversation of, hey, the bullpen did a good job. Hey, the bullpen kept the Nats in the game. And right now, over the first two games of this series, the bullpen is the MVP of the series. I mean, the bullpen 
is holding on tight and making it so that the Nats can come back to win these games. The Nats have come back to win uh, each of these first two games in this series, and certainly the comeback on Tuesday night was particularly impressive. Hey guys, it's Al Galdi for Window Nation. Beat the heat with Window Nation, which right now is offering a very special deal. Save $200 off any style of window from Window Nation with every two windows that you buy, plus make no payments and pay no interest until 2024, plus you can receive a free entry door with the purchase of a house of windows. Save yourself thousands of dollars on your new windows and on your energy bills, all while upgrading the look and feel of your home. Here's all that you need to do. Go to windownation.com or call 866-90NATION and tell Window Nation that Al Galdi sent you. The average Window Nation installer has over 16 years of experience with over 20,000 windows installed. Your windows matter. Lean on the experts of Window Nation and get yourself the special deal. Again, save $200 off any style of window from Window Nation with every two windows that you buy. Plus, make no payments and pay no interest until 2024 and receive a free entry door with the purchase of a house of windows. Visit windownation.com or call 866-90NATION and tell Window Nation that Al Galdi sent you. That's windownation.com or 866-90NATION and tell Window Nation that Al Galdi sent you. Here's Cody Bellinger, first pitch swinging, drives one to deep right, down the line, toward the corner, and it is gone, a home run. On the first pitch in the bottom of the fifth inning from Josiah Gray, and this game is all even now, the Nationals two and the Dodgers two. So the Nats starting pitcher on Tuesday night was the former Dodger, Josiah Gray. He was pitching at a game for the first time in 13 days, so you weren't quite sure what to expect, but you knew that the last time we had seen Josiah Gray pitch off substantial rest, he had looked pretty good. We also knew, though, that Josiah Gray had struggled quite a bit uh, against the Dodgers earlier this season. Well, we ended up getting a rather mixed game from Gray on Tuesday night. Three runs in five innings. Uh, He gave up five hits, two homers, a double, and two singles. He issued two walks and a wild pitch. He did have six strikeouts, so that was good, but he over his five innings threw 94 pitches, 53 strikes versus 41 balls. Uh, He, in the bottom of the first, allowed a run on a leadoff homer by Mookie Betts to dead center field to cut the Nats' lead to 2-1, and then Gray, in the bottom of the fifth, gave up two runs, including giving up a leadoff first pitch homer to Cody Bellinger to right field to tie the game at two. There was some good from Josiah Gray in this game, but you saw the pitch count become sky high and mark again the home runs. I mean, every game it feels like Josiah Gray is good to give up multiple home runs. Your updated Josiah Gray career major league numbers, 167 and two-thirds innings, 42 home runs. He's got to get the home runs under control. Yeah, it's home runs and high pitch counts. That's really the two sticking points with him right now. And there's a lot of other stuff to like. The six strikeouts were good. He was getting him with not just the breaking balls, but with his fastball tonight, which was a good sign against some very good hitters. So he's able to do that. He's able to pitch his way out of some jams. The second inning, I mean, could have been a mess with two walks and a wild pitch, but he strikes out three to get out of it. So he does have this ability, but he's got to avoid leaving those fastballs over the plate because they are hit hard when he does. And he's 
got to work on getting ahead early in the count and just putting guys away because the pitch counts are becoming insane to the point that like he really should not have only been able to go five innings in this game. He should have been able to go deeper. He pitched better than that. But you get to 94 after five and you're saying we're just not going to press that envelope any further than that. You mentioned the 42 total home runs he's given up in his career now. It's also five homers now in eight innings against the Dodgers in two starts. Now, obviously a great lineup, but you got to find a way to keep the ball in the yard. Thankfully, they were both solo homers. They both let off innings, so it wasn't terribly damaging. But that's kind of what's standing in the way right now from Josiah Gray being a really good pitcher. He's been solid, but for him to take another step up, got to limit the home runs and got to try to get quicker outs to keep the pitch count down and give him a chance to go six or even seven innings. Yeah, Josiah Gray this season is averaging 17.26 pitches per innings pitched. That is a lot of pitches to be averaging on a per inning basis. That prior start against the Dodgers this season, a 9-4 loss to LA at Nationals Park on May 24th. Gray in that game, seven runs in three innings, gave up three home runs. That was a low point for Gray this year. That outing ballooned his ERA to 544. He's got the ERA uh, for the season now at 445 over 18 starts. So, you know, it's a mixed bag. I think we still say there's more good than bad. The strikeouts are great. He's averaging 10.39 strikeouts per nine innings. Like you said, if you can get the pitch counts down and avoid the homers, he's not good enough to give up a lot of homers and still be good. Like he's not at that Max Scherzer, Justin Verlander level where you can give up a bunch of homers and still have a sparkling ERA. Like he's not there. Not yet anyway. Maybe he gets there at some point, but not there yet. But certainly this was a lot better than what Gray did against the Dodgers earlier this year. And the bullpen ended up being great. And the Nats ended up putting together this win. And I got to tell you, I mean, we all know that it doesn't mean much, right? And we all know that so much could be different for this team a week from now. You know, I mean, we're doing this podcast for Wednesday, July 27th. Our podcast for Wednesday, August 3rd uh, is going to be about what happened on the trade deadline and, you know, obviously could include the Nats trading away Juan Soto. So this week could be it. We don't know. So in the meantime, why not have some fun and why not do something crazy like sweep the Dodgers in LA? You know, it's like, Two crazy kids off to Vegas. Let's just get married. What the heck? You know, the Nats, who knows what's going to happen a week from now. So what the heck? Let's go ahead and complete a sweep on Wednesday afternoon at the Dodgers. And again, (laughs) with Patrick Corbin pitching. This has to happen. This has got to be something that goes down. You're calling it? You're saying it's going to happen? Why not, man? Why the heck not? We've had so little to sink our teeth into this season. Why not a three-game sweep at the Dodgers with Corbin leading the way? Well, do you know the last time they swept a series? It's been a while. It has not happened this season, I know. It has not happened this year. It was in June of last season during the great Kyle Schwarber run that they were on. And the last time they swept a series on the road, and thanks to Tim Shovers for pointing this out to me, I remember this series very well, was in August of 2019 at Wrigley Field. That was a big turning point for what became the World Series champions. It was a big series against what was still considered a good Cubs team. They had a bunch of come-from-behind wins. That's when you thought to yourself, this team might be special, and obviously they were. That's how long it's been since they've swept a road series. A whole lot has changed since then. The fact that this team is now in a position to potentially do it at Dodger Stadium is wild. But this is why we do this podcast every day. This is why... All of you out there listening, keep tuning in every day and why you watch this team every day, because you never know what might happen. And even during an otherwise miserable season, 
that could have a miserable outcome a week from now, like you pointed out, this is still fun. They're having fun in that clubhouse. We're having fun watching it, and we'll just see how this continues. Let's go out with a bang. If things are going to end on August 2nd, let's go out with a bang with this sweep at the Dodgers. You tell us what you think. Hit us up on Twitter at Nats underscore chat. You can email the podcast, NatsChatPodcast at gmail.com, including if you would like to become a sponsor of the Nats Chat Podcast, hit up Tim Shover's Nats Chat Podcast at gmail.com. You can get yourself a Nats Chat Podcast t-shirt by going to natschatpodcast.square.site. That's natschatpodcast.square.site. All Nationals radio highlights on Nats Chat are courtesy of 106.7 The Fan. For Mark Zuckerman, I'm Al Galdi, and we'll talk to you next time on the Nats Chat Podcast. One ball and no strikes. Here's the pitch. Swing a ground ball to third again. Franco up with it cleanly. He has time. His throw to Bell in plenty of time to get bets. It's a 1-2-3 inning for Hunter Harvey. And a curly W's in the books. And so is a series win over the Dodgers in Los Angeles. 